All right, everybody, welcome to this week's Sorting the Tropes. I'm Erin. I'm Clayton. And I'm your roommate's level veteran. And I'm the virgin. And we're your hosts. Hi, Clayton. Hey, Erin. How you doing? I'm doing okay. Good. So this week we didn't read a book. No. I mean, we read books, but not for the podcast. Not for the podcast. We did read books. Um, Before we jump into uh, what we watched for this week, uh, Clayton, are there any new Patreons? Yes. We have three new patrons. So you did it. I do the same thing. I call them Patreons, but they're patrons. (laughs) We have Aaron Collin. Thank you so much. Macy, thank you so much. And Sarah Hannon, thank you so much for joining our Patreon. Yeah. Thanks, guys. I still am blown away every time that we have a new patron or that anybody uh, has joined us. And it does like continue to mean so much to us because I think, you know, we've said it before, but a lot of podcasting is just kind of like talking in a room by yourself. So the idea that there's people on the other end who are enjoying this is, like, so lovely to hear. Yes, absolutely. And we have a very big summer coming up. We're doing the Ravenels. Mm -hmm. Everybody's excited. People are going nuts. So that's good to see. Mm -hmm. In fact... Yeah, I I, knew that it... Yeah. Well, I tried to get this book from the library, but I waited too oh. long because I waited till after our announcement. And there's a pretty there's a pretty substantial queue for it. Oh no! Well, we've created a run on the Ravenels, I guess. Yeah, but you know what? That means it's that that's good. Yes. Yeah, I I think I knew that you guys would be excited about the Ravenels because obviously that's something you have requested a lot uh, over these past few years. Um, but I don't think I expected just how excited you guys would be, which makes me even happier that it's something we're doing this summer. And it's also just nice to have the summer planned out a little bit. It's like half planned because just to explain to you guys again, sort of like how we're going to do it is every other book is going to be a Ravenel. So it'll be basically a Ravenel book a month. Mm -hmm. Um, and then between those will be sort of like other books that we'll read or maybe another, if there's another uh, film or a series or some uh, TV series or something, we might review that. But that's basically what to expect because in the past when we did these uh, series, when we did the Hathaways or when we did the Wallflowers, a lot of people just couldn't keep up to kind of the pacing of it. So hopefully this get, makes it so that we could all kind of have a read along together. So I guess it's really not just Ravenel summer, it's Ravenel's back half of the year. Because if we do seven books, that's going to take seven months, right? So it's just Ravenel's for here on out, I guess. Yeah, it's basically Ravenel's till the end of the year, which is, is fine with me. Yeah, they're a fun group. Um, and it is interesting because it's also not just the... It like kind of it it expands in a way that's interesting too. Cool. Well, I'm excited, but I'm also excited to talk about the movie we watched for this edition of the podcast, The Lost City, starring Sandra Bullock and Daniel Radcliffe and Channing Tatum and Brad Pitt. 
Mm-hmm. So we saw this movie a while ago while we were in La La Land, which, God, that that trip feels so long ago now. But we rewatched it because it's available on Paramount Plus right now. Yes. And so let's talk, maybe let's start with like, what were your expectations? And now this is having to go into like the Wayback Machine, like pre us seeing it in LA, pre us seeing it again on Paramount Plus. But, you know, when it was announced and when we were seeing the the like trailers for it, sort of what was your expectation going in? Were you excited about it? I, I mean, uh, I, this was one of our, I think, most anticipated movies of mm-hmm. the year. And I was excited for it. I thought it was going to be good in the sense of giving me what I wanted from it. My worry more was how well was it going to do at the box office because that would have dictated whether we get more movies like this. Mm-hmm. And so that I was more worried on that front. I, f- I thought it would be a very... It would have to have been a very bad movie for me not to like something that had Channing Tatum, Sandra Bullock, Brad Pitt, and based on a romance novelist going on an adventure. It would have to have been Mm -hmm. atrocious for me to really not like this movie. And it actually exceeded my expectations. What was your thoughts going into it? Mine were very much the same. Where obviously I've I've been a Sandra Bullock fan since I was born, as we all have been. Like, she's amazing. Her rom com credentials are impeccable, and obviously I love Channing Tatum, and obviously I love Brad Pitt, and it did seem really fun and flashy. And I think the part that I was nervous about was that it is about a romance novelist, and the directors are both men. And I think I was like, this could be, this could, there's a way that, that you can treat romance novels and highlight like the silliness and the campiness and the things that like we all love about romance novels and recognize can be poked fun of or can be silly. And then there's kind of just being uh, rude and overly judgmental and speaking down to readers that I thought could happen. And I was kind of like less excited about that possibility. Mm-hmm. But I do have to say I was, my fears were unfounded because the way that they treat romance novels in this book and romance novel readers, I think is, is really good. And I think they give a very good realistic perspective of them. And they don't like, they don't make Loretta's ages fans seem like stupid or vapid or, you know, well, they, they also could have easily made them all older, yeah, in, in a peri, you know, a, a parodic way where it's all of her fans are over sixty or seventy or something, and nothing that there's mm-hmm. not that there's anything wrong with people, uh, older people reading romance. Obviously, romance is for everybody, but that's the kind of stigma that romance gets, where it's for your aunt, it's for. You know, it's not for a young person. And I think that that right, is... Right, or you just have, like, a bunch of, like, frumpy women being, like, overly hysterical. And it's like, that's a little unfair. Exactly, yeah, you yeah. Know? Yeah, so I think they didn't do that. I will say, though, that mm-hmm. 
So she writes this book, The Lost City, and it is a continuation of a series that has the same hero, which the cover model is Channing Tatum with a blonde, long, long-haired wig, which yeah. he, he falls off of his head at a certain point, and we see the Channing Tatum famous short haircut. But the whole idea of the movie is that he is in love with her. She can't stand him. He mm-hmm. thinks he's that he, – he likes to play like he's that hero – and the fans love him. But when she gets kidnapped because Daniel Radcliffe's a rich guy who read this book and thinks that she knows exact, she knows or can figure out where this actual lost city is, Channing Tatum goes to save her and hijinks ensue. And so yes. that's the premise. So the thing about the actual romance novel is – so. I I mean, again, I've read so many romances at this point, but can you think of a romance series that has a hero returning as the main character and a heroine returning as a main character in successive novels? That's not really a romance thing, right? Because it's happily ever after, then your background characters in the rest of the series because you're either related by f- by blood or you're in the same friend group or the same sort of whatever that would keep you around. So that is one thing that is unrealistic about, about this movie. I would say, and obviously there's discussion about whether or not Outlander is a romance, but I, but that's one where it's the same main couple over and over again. And some of those books end happily and some of them don't. So then it's not a romance. So then Outlander is like Diana Gabaldon prefers not romance. Right. The first book is a romance, but then I guess subsequently it's like some are, some aren't, but I, I, yeah, I, I agree. I didn't, I didn't hate it because I thought for like what the, plot of the movie needed it's fine Mm -hmm. it's it's not that egregious of a thing but i agree where it's like yeah if this was an actual romance series it would be like different people every a different couple trying to find this yeah uh treasure every time but exactly just because it doesn't follow the actual structure of a romance series does not mean that it is disrespectful to the source material because there there is a point in the film where Sandra Bullock's character kind of calls her books smut, calls her books just dumb, and Channing Tatum says, they're not. Look at what you do, how many people you make happy. Like that – if." that's noble what you do. Like, how dare you talk about the people who love your books like that? So there was an element of, oh, yeah, I mean, it's sticking up for those preconceived biases against what romance is, which is since it's for women, it has to be a lesser you know, genre, which we all, we know is not true. And it's kind of weird that the man had to say it, but... But I think also for the story, too, it's... It is interesting that 
I love Channing Tatum's character, Alan, in this movie. It was, I think he was so perfect and he was such like that guy, but there was so much like love that he had and such like inherent goodness and kindness Mm -hmm. that, that made it more interesting than if he was just like this weird beefcake who like, who was just like saving the day or something like his vulnerability and his um, willingness to be vulnerable, I thought was so important. And I did love that sort of, he had already had that journey of like being kind of embarrassed about being on this uh, cover of this book, this like romance novel And which is true. I think when we talked to Sarah McLean or somebody and she said that like sometimes models will not want to be on the cover of romance novels for kind of that reason. And other models are like very into it. So uh, and and how he kind of like was, you know, realized the goodness and and sort of the joy that it brought people and how good that was. Mm -hmm. And I think it's interesting, too, because you would expect you would expect the romance novelist to be able to know that about her own audience. And I think so much about Loretta's character is how closed off she is to basically the world. And like, she doesn't really talk to people. She mostly just writes her books. She, her husband has died. Like she's a widow. She's, she lives a very small closed off life, which is kind of like, the way you start an adventure story. Cause it's not exciting if somebody's like, all I do is go out there and explore and now I'm exploring more. You know what I mean? Like she, she starts as far away from that as possible. Yes. Um, and so then to, to have him be the one to tell her that I think that's really great. And I did see some people on like social media and stuff saying like, Oh, I don't love that. She refers to her own books uh, as like schlock or whatever she says about it. But I also think that's like, you know, not, it's not true, but I do think there are romance novelists who are very shy and for whatever personal reason they have, but like they don't want people to know who they really are because of the way that romance is treated. And I think that's like, it's fair. Everybody do whatever makes you comfortable. But I think it's like to, to act like she would have to be like rah, rah, like I love this stuff is, you know, it, it could be a part of the character, but it could not be. And I don't think it means that the creators or the writers or the directors of this, like, felt that way as well, you know? Yeah, so she was at her lowest ebb when she said that. So yeah. it's one of those things where I think anybody who's had a career in anything for a sustained amount of time may question what they're doing and whether it's worthwhile mm-hmm. And I think that also, I mean, her husband died and they were explorers together. I think he was well, uh, the, he was a uh, archaeologist, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. so she was very passionate about that stuff. He was a passionate guy and she lost him. And that's why she's kind of having a hard time writing about love. She lost the great one of like the great love of her life, at least. Mm-hmm. One of the great loves, because, spoiler, it's a romance. Her and Channing Tatum end up together. But let's talk about everybody's favorite, Brad Pitt, our favorite at least. Um, So he has a cameo at the beginning of this movie. I mean, I don't have any, like, big thing to say about it other than, like, I loved it so fucking much. (laughs) Like, it was so great. Yes, it is... 
at the theater we were at, it got mm-hmm. a huge reaction. People were going nuts because he, when he's in the movie, it is just a level of action and it's just so funny. And his exit from this movie is so abrupt that people were shocked. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a testament to this movie that they were able to recover after that. So, I mean, yes. we're spoiling there's, we're spoiling this movie. It's been out for nine weeks at this point. So, yes, he, if you don't want to be spoiled, shut it off now and uh-huh. go watch the movie. It is worth it. And then come back. Yes. So anyway, so Brad Pitt is hired by Channing Tatum to find Sandra Bullock's character. And well, hired by Beth, by her agent. Was he hired? Oh, no. Well, uh, Channing Tatum knew this guy. Oh, and, he, oh they went on a, a mindfulness retreat together. Yeah. So he knew this guy and recommended him. So he helped hire this guy. And Brad Pitt shows up in all of his, like, hunky glory. Like, it's funny because you see Channing Tatum and you're like, that's a hot guy. And then you see Brad Pitt and you're like, oh, wait, that's a hot guy. And and it's funny because that's the exact reaction that Channing Tatum has. And so he comes, Brad Pitt comes in and, like, takes out all these guards and does all this acrobatic stuff. And it's just nuts. He... He grabs Sandra Bullock's character. They're running out. They get away. And then all of a sudden, boom, Brad Pitt gets shot in the head. And it's shocking. Because you knew that he wasn't in the movie for very long. But you didn't expect this abrupt of an exit. And it is played well enough where you're like, this character just got murdered. But it's still okay. Like, we're still not like this movie's too dark and it's uh, it really was a tightrope walk because i don't know it was it, it could have gone bad i mean obviously they didn't show it so the fact that they didn't show it is a huge deal <laughs> but the movie is not like gr- overly gruesome it's not it is like it is all played a little bit light and also i do love that anytime like loretta or alan like kill somebody which isn't often they feel so bad about it afterwards they keep talking about how like oh maybe he could have the person could have survived well they do this thing where there's these motorcyclists that are chasing them and they're bad guys and they figure out a way to get them to uh, they, they were gonna make them crash or whatever but what ends up happening is they go off a cliff and afterwards they're just kind of looking at each other like oh my God, we did that. That's bad. And that's the thing is like, they're trying to come up with how they could have survived. And it's really (laughs) funny. It's, yeah, it's so good. This movie does the perfect thing too of walking that tightrope of being fresh and interesting and things happening that are unexpected while staying very close to like the tropes and the things that you love about this type of movie, about Mm -hmm. like romantic adventures in a way that is like makes it feel very easy throughout the movie, but I know could not have been like that had to be very difficult to walk that line. And I think that they do such a phenomenal job. And you can also, you can also tell that 
and I'm just going to guess that it's Dana Fox because she's just a writer who I admire a lot always. Um, but I would hazard a guess that she's probably a romance writer, uh, reader because the little Easter eggs they put in there, like there's only one bed or only one hammock at a certain stage. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of these very romance novel beats happen uh, in a way that like as a romance novel reader and a movie lover watching this, like just made the whole experience like so joyful. I, you know, when we went, we watched it, uh, you producer Patty, and then my friend Claire, who I know is probably listening and Claire and I were like fully giggling, laughing out loud the entire movie. Yes. Swooning. It was, it was just, it, it was so good. And I don't know. It just made me so happy. This movie just makes me so happy. Yeah, you guys were having a ball, which was great to see. And there was, next to me, because I was on, like, the edge of the group. So I was next to strangers. And it was two women. And I don't know what their relationship was, but it was two women by themselves. And, uh, well, they they were together, but, but you know what I mean. Anyway, they were also having a ball. And so I do think that this was one of those films that was skewed towards women, but also a movie that guys could also love too. You know what I mean? Where not Mm -hmm. to like really make it binary and genderize it, but the way Hollywood movies are kind of targeted, you have to target it seems like you have to target one or the other, right? And unless it's a big, broad movie like a Marvel movie or something like that, which is trying to hit all four quadrants. This was a movie that I think both men and women could enjoy equally, and I think that's very hard to do. And it's a testament to the fact that Sandra Bullock is a star for men and women. Yes. I think women love Channing Tatum and men love Channing Tatum and the same thing with Brad Pitt. And so you had these and then you had Harry Potter in there who was great. And it's so dismissive to call him Harry Potter, but he's Harry Potter and he has so much money that he can do whatever he wants. But it's fun to see him in like a big movie playing a villain that and he does it very effectively. In this movie, he is fantastic as this like dweeby rich person who uh who wants this crown of red diamonds um and feels inadequate like every character is also infused with this like very specific backstory in a way that feels so that is like very subtle but is so enriching to each character so like him that he is just doing this to try to show up his brother who he thinks is like (laughs) uh, taking the spotlight away from him He's just exactly that person. And it is like, he's so much fun to watch. Like you just think that they, I hope that they had fun watching, uh, making this movie because like watching it has been so much fun. Yeah. Um, And the main love story, like my favorite thing is that Channing Tatum is in love with Sandra Bullock's character. And you slowly realize this. And then it's also just like, He's a younger guy and she's an older woman and you never see that. Yeah, I didn't, that didn't occur to me until this moment. (laughs) Right, like it's normally the guy would be 
you know, it'd be Brad Pitt and the woman would be uh, Anna Diarmas, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, she is a woman with a career. She has success. She's older. She's beautiful. And he's so puppy dog in love with her. And that's just so refreshing. That Yeah, that is true. Yeah, to just also, it's rare to see a movie where the man isn't suddenly turning toxic, where he is just like fully in love with the woman from the jump. Mm-hmm. And in this movie, yeah, he's in love with her from the second we see the two of them. And that kind of never wavers. That's amazing. I do also want to talk about Divine Joy Randolph, who plays Beth, Sandra Bullock's like uh, agent, I guess. Yeah. Or like manager, like her her person. Um, obviously, we all know uh, Divine Joy from High Fidelity on Hulu, which was a perfect one season of television that they still could renew, hopefully one day, maybe. I'll it's not going to happen. <laughs> I know it's not going to happen, but like that was, I loved that show so much. She specifically was so amazing in that show. Um, and I thought she was so much fun in this as well because it was another example of kind of like subverting tropes. Like the way that, yeah, she just had a, she was like taking care of her grandmother and then she went out there on her own to try to find Sandra Bullock. She runs into Oscar Nunez, who is a pilot and who is just weird. But it's another thing where you feel that kind of like joy or inherent goodness of a character where like even when she's up against these things where like people are acting strange or it seems like very desperate, she's very much like, no, I'm going to roll with it. It'll be fine. Let's make this happen. Um, so I just, whenever I see her show up in anything, she's another one that I'm just like always very excited to see. Anyway, I don't know what else to say about this movie other than it was just like fantastic and I loved it and I thought it was so well done. Do you think there'll be a sequel? By the time this comes out, this episode, hopefully uh-huh. the movie is over a hundred million dollars, uh, as at the box office because it it's currently this past weekend at $99.3 million. So if people don't know about box office, $100 million is like a benchmark. It's a huge deal mm-hmm. for a movie to cross that domestically. Obviously not a Marvel movie. Those movies make hundreds of millions of dollars. But something like this, which is adult skewing, female skewing, non-IP, meaning not based on any uh, previous property other than it is romancing the stone (laughs) basically uh something like this making a hundred million dollars is a big deal i think i think it is successful enough to make a sequel it would all it would just be about getting the the team back together right getting sandra bullock and channing tatum back together and spoiler alert obviously we spoil everything but you find out that brad pitt is alive and mm-hmm. he just has a head wound. And so his character could return for the sequel if they wanted to do that. So, yeah, I think there could be a sequel because of the success of this film. It would just be, do the people want to do it? And I think Sandra Bullock has, she's at this point where she can just pick and choose whatever she wants to do. And Channing Tatum is very busy because he's doing a lot of projects because he took a little bit of a break and now he's raring back 
Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he's roaring back, I should say. And so I hope there's a sequel. And Me there's too. there's there's enough success here to make that happen. So we'll see. Fingers crossed. Yeah. I'm also so interested because the, the way that this movie came to be is it was written by, I think it was written originally by the guy who wrote 20... Two Jump Street or Twenty One Jump Street, and um, and then everybody passed on it basically, mm-hmm. and then there was a rewrite, and sort of that's when everybody came back to it. But I am interested to see the original script of this. So if anybody out there <laughs> is able to get pause on the original, like I would love to read it. Yeah, just because I want to see like what the changes were that were made and stuff like that. Like I don't know, that's just my own thing that I find very very fascinating. Well, yeah, it, this feels like this does have a few credited writers. So you always yeah. kind of wonder who added what and what was the magic change that they made to get this greenlit. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's fun. I think if you're a romance fan, you'll you'll really love it. I'd be surprised if you disliked it. I mean, the only way would be if you are kind of a stickler for certain things. I do think that the representation here when it comes to like romance and the people who read it and the people who write it is positive. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, I would say it's very positive. It doesn't talk down to anybody. It also, it's like, I like some action movies, but then it can be hard and it can be alienating the way that female characters are treated in these action films. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there is something about never being talked down to in this film and having it also feel realistic. And Sandra Bullock is obviously like a, like she never is like suddenly in a bikini, you mm-hmm. know? Uh, it all feels very, like she's in a, like a crazy sequin jumpsuit. That's just fun. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that she ends up like kind of destroying, but it's, it's just nice that it's it you don't feel talked down to it's like you're just like basically it's it's just exactly what you want from this movie and that you can kind of just shut your brain up and enjoy it you know mm-hmm. yeah so well so we don't do the would you fuck them when it comes to movies because they're real people yeah and that's so strange and also the answer is yes i mean the answer is yes to everybody <laughs> And then, yeah, so so it, no Goodreads either, but I wonder if there's a similar th- list for movies. I guess IMDb would probably have stuff, but that's such a cesspool. You would wonder what those lists would be, like yeah. what list these movies would be on, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So we probably won't even dip into that. So it's it's basically, Aaron, where can they find us? <laughs> so you can always email us at uh, learningthetropespodcast at uh, gmail.com. We are on Instagram at learningthetropes, on Twitter at learningtropes. We have our Patreon. So that's if you just go to patreon.com and search Learning the Tropes, you'll find us there. And then we have our Facebook group, the Learning the Tropes Troop, which you can come and join uh, at any time. So... Next week's a mini-sode, and then after that, we're going to be talking about the first book in the Ravenel series, which Mm -hmm. Aaron will say the title now. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's cold-hearted break. Yes. So get that from your public library if you can. There's a run on it. Mm-hmm. Or pick up the old school uh, paperback copy somewhere. Yeah. Well, is the library, is it out of both both the like physical copy and the digital download? Well, digital download, it's, there's a, there's a, a lot of holds. There's like a big uh, line for that. I don't know about the physical. Uh, I would mm-hmm. assume it's all out, but I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. And that's just the Brooklyn Library. So I haven't checked all of the public libraries uh, around the globe. But I'm sure you'll be able to find it some places. I just uh, I just noticed when I went to 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 get it for the ebook at the Brooklyn one, there was a lot of people waiting in line. And listen, mm-hmm. it might not have to do with our podcast because Lisa Kleypas is a master. And Mm -hmm. I'm sure a a lot of her books have wait lists. It just felt like a lot of people. And it was after we had announced it. So I was like, oh, people people rush to use their library, which is great because I love the library. Oh, yeah. The library is the best. We'll see that. I mean, obviously, I'm just going to buy it. So that's what the Patreon is for. That's what the, the people are contributing to, which is helping us buy these books. All right, guys. Well... Happy reading and watching. We will uh, chat to you next week. Yep. Bye, guys. Bye.